I really appreciate uh, our video director, Tim Bedwell, putting all of these great sermon bumpers together for, for all the series that we do. And uh, we actually have some churches that uh, are, are going through Core 52 and they've reached out to us and like, hey, love what you guys are putting together. Would you mind sharing some of it with us so that we can use it? And Boyd is incredibly generous just uh, with all of these videos uh, that he's made and is willing to, to share them. But every now and then, <clears throat> Boyd enjoys uh, making some parodies of his own work. Kind of taking some of the things that he did and changing it around a little bit, uh, which was a reminder to me this morning uh, that I really need to make sure that I remain great friends with Tim Bedwell because he has a lot of material that he can pretty much make me say anything he wants me to say at, at this point. Uh, he is just a genius of how he puts all of these things together. And, and so he and uh, Noah Saylor got together over the last couple of weeks and they made this parody of that sermon bumper. Let's, uh, let's check it out. Commander, we are approaching several large obstacles. All right, Delta Squadron, prepare to execute avoidance maneuvers. Bank 90 degrees left on my mark. Bank. Another one, three o'clock. Bank. Another one, half past two. Bank. Can we just fly over all this? Affirmative. Pull up, pull up. What are all these words, Commander? Don't worry about reading right now. Commence hyperspace. Copy that. Pew! Space was cool enough, but couldn't we have gone further away? <laughs> so, like Neil said, your tithes and offerings are going to great use in ministry here at Sherwood Oaks. Uh, I love it. I, I love our staff. We have a we have a lot of fun serving together. You know, a few years ago, uh, I was volunteering at the men's warming center down in in Bedford. And I was talking to uh, a young man that I'd just really grown a, a sweet friendship with. And, uh, you know, we had kind of developed it over a few months. And I felt like uh, we were finally kind of getting to this place where he was learning that he can trust me, that I wasn't going to judge him over decisions that he was making or that he had made, uh, that I truly did love and, and, and care for him. And, and typically on Thursday nights, like we would just sit around and play spades and goof off. Uh, but for whatever reason, this Thursday night, uh, was a little bit different. I, I don't know if something happened through the week, if his mind just went someplace, but he, he started opening up and sharing more than what he really ever had. Like the, the conversation took an unexpected deep turn. And so I was just praying like, okay, Lord, help me to be able to foster some of this and just do what you want to do in and through this conversation. And so he just kind of kept opening up and, and sharing. And, and then I think like the reality of the moment hit him, the weight of it hit him. And he, he kind of pulled back. He was like, man, I need to go smoke. Can you go with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's go. Like that was kind of part of it. After they checked in, they couldn't go back outside unless a volunteer was with them. And so I spent a lot of really cold nights standing around while these guys smoked, but they gave me an opportunity to hear more of their story. And, uh, I just kind of leaned into it as we went outside because I really felt like the Lord was trying to do something in his, in his heart in that moment. And, and so he started sharing about his kids started sharing about what it's like to be homeless, what it's like to move from house to house, couch to, to couch, friends that would open up their home for a little bit and then have that weird conversation that he'd had so many times of, hey man, you gotta get out of here. Can't do this anymore. Shared with me what it's like to sleep on the streets and stay at the homeless shelter. He shared the guilt and the shame 
that he feels every single day for the demons that he fights, that he, that he sometimes he's stronger in, sometimes he's weaker in, just this desire that he has to get his life back together so he can be with his, his kids again. And he, and he reached into his pocket and he pulled out this letter. And even in the, the dim light, I could tell that this letter that was once white was now kind of leathery tan because it had been just touched and opened and read so many times. And he said, my daughter wrote this for me the last time that I was clean for any extended period of time. And she just told me how much she loves me and how proud she is of me. He said, I keep this letter in my pocket as a reminder of the man that I want to be for her. The man that I'm striving to be so that I can be reconnected with her. And my friend who had nothing of substantial value to his name and, and the things that he did have, he had squandered away. And to him, that letter meant everything. It was his most treasured possession. He said it takes him with him. He takes it with him everywhere, wherever he is, as that reminder. You know, I imagine that most of us have something like that. Alan mentioned it earlier. Something that we value, something that we treasure. And it, it may be something that anyone else would look at and not think anything of it. But to us, it means so much. It could be a letter. It could be a a picture. It could be a tool set that was handed down from father to son to grandson to now great grandson. A file that has pictures that your kids or grandkids have given you through the years. Many of us, we, we have something like that. Some have more than, than, than others, but, but we all probably have that thing that, that we try to protect that we try to keep secure, that thing that we value because we treasure it and it's special to us. And I'm telling you, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a beautiful part of the human experience. I think the question for us, though, when we, when we come to these things that we value, those things that we treasure, the, the question that we need to ask ourselves is, do I hold on to the things that I treasure or do the things that I treasure hold on to me? And there's a big difference between those two things. Do we hold on to them because of the relationships or the memories that they remind us of, the people that, that maybe are no longer in our life for whatever reason? Do we hold on to them because that's the value that they have? We, we, they're, they're special to us and we want to remember them. Or, or do we hold on to them because we're afraid of what life might look like without it? Do we hold on to it because they hold on to us and they keep us up at night, worrying about them, fretting about them? Have they grabbed a hold of our heart because we place so much value on them and, and we'd go to any lengths to, to hold on to them or to make sure that we always have that certain amount of them to feel safe, to feel secure? And when you think about the things that you value the most, do you find yourself holding on to them honestly or do you find that they are holding on to you? Do they have a hold of your life and your heart? I think that's what Jesus is getting at in our text today. If you have a, a Bible or a Bible app that you use, turn with me to Matthew chapter six this morning. Matthew chapter six. We're gonna be looking at verses 19 through, through 24. 
And we're in the, the fourth week of this series uh, called Apex, where we're looking at the sermon that Jesus preaches on the hillside. We know it as the, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and, and seven. And in it, Jesus lays out this new way of living, this way of living that lines up with the kingdom of heaven, with the way of, of God. And it is a, a life that, that is fully surrendered to him and to his will. And Jesus teaches multiple times in the Sermon on the Mount that, that this life, this kingdom-lived life is not about what we do on the outside. It's not just about our actions and, and what other people can perceive. What, what really matters and what really matters to God and what he values is what is on the inside, what is happening inside of us. And Jesus takes us back to our heart again and again and again. And he reminds us that the heart of the matter is that it is a matter of the heart. Whether it is anger, lust, prayer, fasting, giving, God is not as interested in what we do externally as he is what's happening inside of us internally. He cares most about what's happening inside of us. Because here's the thing, when our hearts are in the right place, then our actions will follow. They'll come. It's a natural byproduct of that. Then Jesus comes back to this theme again in our core verse for the week. And this is what he says. Matthew 6, 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What in the world does that mean? We'll talk about that. <laughs> no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is your first time to Sherwood Oaks. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. And you may be thinking to yourself, see, this just confirms that I knew the church only talks about money. That's not true. I promise it's not true. Maybe you brought a friend today and you're thinking, great, thanks, Sean. Like you couldn't have given us a warning that we were talking about money <laughs> today. But, but here's the thing. This is not a sermon about money. It's a sermon about our heart and how money affects it. So God doesn't need our money. I alluded to that earlier. God doesn't need our money, but he wants our heart. That's what he desires. He loves you. And so if you're kind of sitting there with like clenched up right now going, oh, what's he want? What's he want? What's he gonna ask for? I just wanna go ahead and relieve you. You can relax. We are not gonna take up a second offering at the end of the sermon. Besides, we have boxes in the, the hallway as you leave that you can give to. We have all of these different ways to give. I'm so glad that that joke landed. I, I was a little worried about putting it into my sermon um, this week as I was writing it. And uh, shout out to the production team for coming up with the idea of putting that uh, on the screen. Uh, Ken, you're fired. Uh, so let's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I think in our text, what Jesus is doing, and this is really is the heart of the matter here. What Jesus is doing is he is shining a microscope on our hearts. He's, he's shining a microscope on our hearts and he's, and he's looking through the money to see it, to, to reveal the things that we value 
to reveal and find the things that we actually treasure. I think all throughout this sermon and in our text even today, Jesus wants us to kind of take a step back and, 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 and do some evaluation, kind of look in the mirror of this text. And I think today he wants, to ask, he wants us to ask ourselves like who or what is at the center of my heart? Where do I find my sense of comfort and security and identity? That's what we treasure and that's what Jesus cares about. That's why he talked about money more than he talked about anything else. It's not because he wanted any of it. It's because he knows that nothing competes for the throne of our heart with God more than the things that we treasure. Jesus understands that we can hold on to those things, but he also knows very well how much they can hold on to us, how much they can take a grip on our life and on our hearts, how we can turn to them for what we can only find and the Father. And so Jesus walks us through three different kind of thought blocks on this, this issue to drive the point home. Look again at the, the first one. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. I like it. I don't typically get to use the word vermin very often. I get to do it a couple of times this morning. <laughs> where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think at the heart of what Jesus is saying here is this question, do the things that you value and that you treasure have eternal significance? Do they have eternal substance and, and weight to them? Do we value what God values? And when we invest in these things that are eternal and near to the heart of God, we are making a kingdom investment. That, and that can be whatever it is that we give, our, our time, our talent, our treasure. We're making a kingdom investment in the work of God. In his classic book, The Divine Conspiracy, which if you want to take a deep dive into the Sermon on the Mount, that is a fantastic read. Dallas Willard says that if you want to store up treasures in heaven, then direct your actions towards making a difference in the realm of spiritual substance, sustained and governed by God. Invest your life, here it is, invest your life in what God is doing, which cannot be lost. In other words, invest yourself, invest your time, your talent, your treasure into what matters most to the Father. Invest in loving and serving others. Invest in helping people know love and follow Jesus more. Invest in serving orphans and widows, which, which James tells us is what the pure faith looks like. Invest in providing for the outcast, the foreigner, the marginalized, people that oftentimes our society looks at with disdain, but people that God told the Israelites in the Old Testament to make provisions for. I got to be on a Zoom call at three o'clock on Friday afternoon with our team from Sherwood Oaks that is hosting this family that's coming in from Afghanistan. I got to see their faces. I got to, to hear the, the gratitude in their voice for this new life that they're able to start. And, and I get it, that there are some that are concerned about that. And why are we messing with that? We got needs right here. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? God's heart is there just as much as it's here. And we're going to do whatever we can to serve them, and to help them. 
and the people that Jesus moved towards when he walked this earth. And so we're gonna move towards them too. When we invest in things like these, Jesus assures us that we are storing up treasures in heaven that can never be taken away. And then he takes what seems to be a very odd turn. He, he goes from talking about our heart to focusing on our, our eyes. I always found this part uh, of this section a little confusing. Verse 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what in the world does having healthy or unhealthy eyes have to do with our heart and our treasure? Again, I think Jesus wants to leave us with some questions. And this one is, do I value and view things the way that God values and views them? Do I see them the way that God sees them or Do the things that I treasure cloud my vision of what matters most? Do the glitz and glam of material things blind me to the things of heaven because I'm so focused on the things of earth? Do they blind us to the presence and the present reality of God making us miss what is right in front of us? And so how do you look at things like money? Do you look at it with healthy eyes or with unhealthy eyes? If I'm honest, I probably lean a little bit more towards the unhealthy side. But I am grateful that God is not done with me yet and continues to give me opportunities <laughs> to, uh, to learn what he wants me to learn and to hold things the way that he wants me to, to hold them. I met a friend for breakfast on, on Wednesday morning. And as we were kind of wrapping up, uh, he reached over and, and grabbed the tickets and he said, hey, I've got, I've got breakfast this morning. It's on me. And, and I was grateful for that for a couple of reasons. One is just a, a kind gesture. Uh, but, but two, my uh, wife and I, we follow like the Dave Ramsey envelope system budget, right? And uh, we're coming to the end of the month and my allowance is running on fumes. And uh, so I was like, hey, that's, that's great. I've got a little bit extra cash. Maybe I'll be able to, to eat out, you know, for lunch or something uh, later on this, this week. Or like that morning, I'd gone down to do a bike ride on my trainer and my tire had a hole in it. And so it was flat. I was like, oh, well, I, I need to get a new tire. And and so I've got a little bit more, more money that I can, uh, I can put towards, towards that. Started immediately thinking of everything I could do with my money. <laughs> and, and as I was walking out, there was a guy that, that, that approached me. He was just kind of walking through the parking lot. And he's like, hey, man, can you, can you buy me breakfast? I looked right at him and I said, ah, oh, sorry, dude, I don't have any money. <laughs> and I hadn't even taken two steps to my car when the spirit just kind of stopped me in my tracks and said, really? You don't have any money? And I did what I normally do. And I said, quiet you. And I kept walking. (laughs) And I got into my car and I pulled away. I got to the intersection where I was about ready to turn left to come into the church to, you know, serve God and do ministry. (laughs) And the spirit just kept lovingly convicting me and turned the turn signal right, made a loop around the parking lot, went and found him. And I said, hey man, let's, uh, let's go get breakfast. No, 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 no. Because this, this too, this speaks so much 
to the work that God continues to do in me. Because I want to hold on to it. My, my unhealthy view of money causes me to just say, no, it's mine. It's mine and I, and I hold on. I want, I want my money to do what I want with me. And I miss opportunities to invest in what really matters to God. I literally almost walked right past an opportunity to practice what I'm preaching. (laughs) So how do we hold on to money? Do we have an unhealthy view of money or do we serve money instead of allowing our money to serve God and serve others? We serve it by making sacrifices to it, sacrifices of our time away from our family, our our integrity. We, We make moral compromises to to gain more, to hold on to what we have. An unhealthy view of money makes us find our sense of value and worth in our net worth. And there's nothing wrong with our net worth. It's just not the main thing. It's not where we find our security and our comfort and our peace, or at least it shouldn't be. One of our values as a church is we live like God owns everything. And I, and I love this value because it means that we hold on to God's resources, not with closed fists, but with open hands. A healthy view of money recognizes that it all belongs to God and we're just good stewards of it. We're to manage God's resources God's way. That's what it means to be a good steward. And that's what we are striving for as a church and, and what we hope that you strive for as well. And so how we view our resources and what we do with them matters because ultimately it is a matter of the heart. And Jesus drives this point home in this final verse, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I think that Jesus would be the first to say that there is nothing wrong with money. It's amoral. It's not good or bad. And it just makes a terrible master. And there comes a time for all of us when we have to decide who are we going to serve. And sometimes it's in the moment and sometimes it's for our life. Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve our treasures? We can't serve both. Are we going to be about him and his kingdom or are we going to be about us and our kingdom? And this has been tested for us even here at Sherwood Oaks over the last 21 months. Since April 2020, right around the the time that the world changed, we have been $429,629 behind our, our budget. Again, relax, I'm not gonna ask you to, to give. <laughs> and that, that's money that, that we had planned to spend on ministry, but we had to make some adjustments, just like we all have, right? I mean, your family, you've probably had to make some adjustments from time to time as well. And, and like Neil said earlier, our staff really has done an incredible job of, of helping us maintain and, and stay under our, our budget, but still we're behind by almost $430,000. But listen, during that time, during that time, we launched two generosity initiatives. And there were, there were some people like, can we really do this? Like, should we be doing this? Like, look at how far behind we are on our budget. Should we really be asking people to give to this and we're just gonna give it away? And we're like, yeah, absolutely, we should be doing that because we live like God owns everything and we trust that he's gonna provide all that we need. And so in April, 2020, we started the Acts 245 campaign 
where we invited our church family to give above and beyond so that we could come alongside of families and organizations who are directly affected by COVID-19. And you all gave $232,609 to that effort. We can celebrate that. Like that is pretty incredible. In November 2020, we started the Dollar Club Ministry where every single $1 bill that's given goes towards, towards giving someone in our community a hand up. And in just over a year, you have given $161,836 to the Dollar Club Ministry. Add all of that up and our church has given $394,445 over the last 21 months. That's above and beyond our normal benevolence and our normal missions. Like that is incredible. But don't miss this. If we hadn't given to the Acts 245 fund in the Dollar Club ministry, we'd only be about $35,000 under budget. Instead, we're about $430,000 behind budget. And so if we had taken that money and said, no, no, let's, let's put that here for us, for our kingdom, like we'd be on budget, but to that I'd say, man, Whoopee. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, our budget matters. The general fund offering is what allows us to do some great ministry week in and, and week out here at Sherwood Oaks. Your faithful giving to the general fund has been incredible and we are so grateful for it. But here's the thing, our mission is not to play it safe and make budget. Our mission is to serve the world and help people know, love, and follow Jesus. And we are going to continue to invest kingdom resources into kingdom initiatives through our general fund and through our above and beyond giving. Because I don't want to stand before God one day, and I don't want you to stand before God one day and have him ask us, what did you do with the resources that I entrusted to you? And the only answer I have to give is, Lord, you are going to love this. We made budget (laughs) You should see our bank account. We, we were in the black year in and, and year out. I think that God would look at and say, oh, whoopee. <laughs> but what difference did you make? And I wanted to be able to say, let me tell you what we did as a church. Let me tell you the difference that our generosity made. Yeah, we didn't always make budget, but this one time there was an elderly lady in our community who didn't have a working furnace in her home in the dead of winter. And she also had a hole in her roof from a a tree that had fallen on it almost a year earlier. And it was causing water to come in. It was causing uh, vermin (laughs) to to come into her house. It was was devastating. It It was a mess. It was a bad situation. She didn't have the resources to do anything about it. And so she just kind of thought, this is, this is my home. This is my life. But there was this couple who attended Sherwood Oaks and they learned about this lady's situation. They loved her enough to do something about it. They were moved by compassion. They connected her with the church and through the Dollar Club ministry, we were able to buy her a new furnace and pay for her insurance deductible so that her roof could be repaired so that she now lives in a warm, dry, rodent-free home. Like those are the stories that we wanna tell. Those are the stories of generosity that that are are kingdom-minded, that are investing in the kingdom of heaven. They are making an eternal difference in the lives of others. And so what do you treasure? 
Where do you look for a sense of comfort, security, identity, and peace? If it's in anyone or anything other than the Father, I'm telling you, it is sinking sand that will only leave you gasping for air and trying to grasp for more. And Jesus goes on in the next section and he says, do not worry about the things that this world worries about. And he reminds us that our father is good and loving and kind and he is more than enough to provide all that we truly need. He is our treasure. Do you know him today? Do you trust him? Just stand with me and I'll pray. Father, thank you for the way that you pursue our hearts, for the way that you love us. God, thank you that you will not let anything or anyone stand in between us. And you will call out anything that is false, that gives us this false sense of security to be able to find the true thing that we're looking for in you. So Father God, I pray that what we treasure most are the things that you treasure and that we will use what you have entrusted to us for your good and your glory and to make an eternal difference in the lives of others, that they may come to know you and love you and follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.